If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Taylor hit, but he bounces into the end zone. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. How can we, like you mentioned, as pillars, as guys who are leaders on this team, how can we turn that around? Play action. Now he's in trouble, and he's going to be brought down. A sack for the Colts. DeForest Buckner back to the 27-yard line. Never quit. I never not fall. I never not compete. And I will always continue to be a great, great leader, a great competitor. Now he checks it down left side, looking for the end zone for Alec Pierce. And he's got it. Touchdown, Alec Pierce. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hey, what's up? Welcome back. Another Tuesday. This is the official Colts podcast. We're brought to you by WinBet. Thanks for coming back again this week. I'm Matt Taylor in studio today, joined by J.J. Stangovitz. Say hello, J.J. Hello. Casey Valier over there. Casey, what's up? What's up? No Jeffrey Gorman, no Lair Overton today as we're getting you into summertime. Temperatures were way up last week, down a little bit this week. Typical Indiana for you. But everybody's here now and uh, getting ready for week three of OTAs this week. And we're here with you every week in the offseason, obviously, between now and training camp, which is going to be here before you know it. OTAs this week, mini camp next week, and then summer vacation for your Indianapolis Colts. And, J.J., you're going to be on summer vacation next week, right? Yeah. We uh, we booked a trip to Myrtle Beach as a family. Got a boy. Back in January before we knew the Colts schedule. So mm-hmm. I will be out for a veteran minicamp next week. But thank you to Casey Vallier, who not only is going to help fill in on the podcast, but is going to help fill in with some written <laughs> articles on Colts.com while I'm away. Author and, Casey Vallier. Yes, and everybody's going to realize whenever <laughs> J.J. comes back, the reason that I'm, no, I'm not like J.J., you know, I'm going to try and hold up your name. But you're definitely going to know Look, that it's me that wrote it and not you. It's but, definitely JJ's. Well, byline. They're going to know that it was right. you because it's going to be your byline. On right. It. Come on. Exactly. Now. Come but on you, now. Casey, you you know, you know you know the Colts inside and out. I do. One of the first people I went to was like, "Hey, I need I need some help." And honestly, I I, I appreciate it. I, I feel honored to you know try to wave that flag. You know, it's one of those things. I consider myself a broadcaster, and now I can kind of throw in that partial you know, journalist in there. So do you know I'll the difference between who and whom. That's the biggest thing. Oh, boy. Here we go. If you See? don't, Microsoft Word is your friend. <laughs> let me tell you. I love the lines. You know, it helps me out right. when I when I type, so I'm good. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. Well, we look forward to that. We've got one week or a couple days left of JJ in the fold. Again, Lara is out this week. Jeffrey's out this week. I'm going to be out in a couple weeks. So I think from here on out, it's going to be kind of uh, you know by committee here on this podcast. But we, we've got you covered the rest of the way, as we said, up until training camp. Uh, a lot to get into today. First, let, let's address the elephant in the room here. All right, we we know what we know what time it is, if you will. We know what happened last night. Speaking of of Monday night, obviously, we are aware of the reports surrounding the Colts and a gambling investigation with the player. Certainly, we cannot comment or speculate on that. The investigation is still ongoing. Things are still uh, progressing, if you will. So, we just want to say we are aware of it. But uh, certainly once we know more, we'll give that to you. When things are more concrete, we can discuss that in more detail and give you sort of the, you know, the dominoes that are, are going to fall 
once this uh, becomes official and things, again, I just use that word concrete. Once things are, are more concrete, we can give that to you. But we just want to let you know we are aware of it. We saw everything that you did. Once things are finalized on that, we'll break that down in complete detail, probably at a later date. So just want to get that out of the way. But we are packed the rest of the way here. We're going to talk about OTAs. We're going to talk about a free agent addition. We'll talk about some joint practices. So still a ton to get into uh, over the course of this podcast. But let's talk again about some more solid news, if you will. On Mondays, the Colts also uh, were in the news because they signed veteran wide receiver Brashad Perriman and waived wide receiver Tyler Adams. Perriman was a first-round pick all the way back in 2015. He's been around. He's uh, spent time with the Ravens. Washington, the Browns, Buccaneers, Jets, Lions, Bears now here with the Colts. Spent the last two years with the Bucks. Uh, 20 catches, just under 280 yards, two touchdowns the last two seasons. He has only played in 17 games in that span. But when you talk about the book on Perriman, J.J., great speed. He's a big yards-per-catch guy for his career. In fact, 16.7 yards per catch for his career. That number would rank third in the NFL since 2015 if he qualified among wide receivers with at least 160 catches, but he only has 145 snags in his career. So what do you make of this move? Perriman coming in to compete at wide receiver. Why do you think the Colts made this move at that position this late in free agency? I think you just you want to increase some competition on the back end of the roster. And bringing in a guy in Perriman who, you know, while he he hasn't had a ton of production in this league, he does have a lot of experience, 80 games of experience. And what's interesting for me, you look at the Colts wide receiver group and Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, Ashton Doolin, I think you can say those four guys are on the team based on where they were drafted. Doolin just signed an extension. Right. I think Isaiah McKenzie Jr. obviously is a really good chance to make the team after signing as a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's five guys right there. Do you carry six? And if you do, do you need that sixth guy to have special teams, you know, juice? Yeah. So does that come down to Brashad Perryman, Mike Strawn, Juwan Winfrey, some of those guys? What about some of the undra- you know, recently undrafted guys? Ethan Fernia is a guy who was up and off the practice squad a little bit last year. Um you know, someone like, you know, some of the undrafted guys from this year, like Xavier Scott, Johnny King, Cody Case. There's Four, gonna, 14 of them yeah. on this Why roster you right got, now. He's got a squad in yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, going to be a lot of good competition. You can go seven on seven just on that. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of really good competition, I think. Um, and training camp's going to be fun. Because it's not like you have three open spots on the roster, right. you're going to have a lot of competition, A, at the top for who's getting target share, right. and then at the bottom of, like, who can fight their way onto the roster out of that group. It's going to be really competitive, and Perriman only adds to that. Casey, what what kind of odds do you think he has to make the roster? And then maybe maybe a better question is if he does make this team and, and if he is competing in training camp to, to make the back end of the wide receiver roster, what does he bring to the offense? How does he accentuate – Anthony Richardson potentially end this offense based on his skill set. I mean, looking at it here early in June, I would say he probably has a 50-50 chance to make the roster. We've got a lot still to go, especially when you talk about camp coming up here in a couple months. That's where it's really going to all kind of unfold. But one of the things that I think he brings is, as J.J. mentioned, 
yeah, maybe he hasn't, you know, exploded on the NFL landscape, but he's been in the league now, you know, almost a decade. You, you think about it that way. I mean, it, it takes a lot to stay in this league. He's played over 80 games, and the last couple of years he's played with Tom Brady. So he brings the experience level where he's kind of seen all the ins and outs of the NFL. So he has, in, in some ways, I think he kind of gives you a little bit of leg up on the back end of that wide receiver group when you're trying to you know pick out which guy is going to make the roster when you look at his experience and kind of what he's been through he kind of has a little bit of a leg up but I think he also just helps everybody else in the room I mean you talk to the guys within you know you're battling with these guys but they're also your brothers you're you're trying to do everything you can to make everybody better and a guy like that right. with all that experience all it does is just helps out guys like Mike Strong, these undrafted guys who he can offer a you know just a different eye on how you're approaching certain you know whatever it's a, whether it's a drill or this he he's able to give you just a different look at certain things. And he may not be the burner that he once was, but I I still bet he's around four five four four right. right. Otherwise, I'm not sure the Colts make this signing and and bring him in after reportedly working him out last week. So. Yeah, I think it definitely adds depth and competition on the roster at the wide receiver position. But he's only been a full-time starter once in his career. That was in 2020 with the Jets. And he's only played a full season once in his career. He has dealt with some injuries. He's missed over 20 games the last couple of years. Real quick, Matey, he's only played 47 snaps on special teams in his entire career. And that goes back to if 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 you're going to be on this roster and not be a top three or four guy at wide receiver, you have to play on teams. Now, now if someone is not ready to start the season or Mm -hmm. someone goes down in training camp, you love to have Brashad Perryman on the roster. But I I think if everyone's healthy, he's got an uphill battle just because if you're keeping – Six guys. Ashton Doolin's going to play special teams. We know that. Right. Isaiah mm-hmm. McKenzie can play some teams. Pittman, Pierce, probably not teams guys. Josh Downs, probably not a teams guy. Uh, you probably need that sixth guy to be a teams guy. Mm-hmm. And is Perriman that? I mean, only 47 career snaps versus right. you know some of the other options right. the Colts may have on the roster. That's going to be an interesting thing to sort out during training camp. Absolutely. So another uh, weapon, if you will, for Anthony Richardson, and he is easing in through OTAs last week and then, of course, this week, week three of uh, organized team activities. The Colts have been rotating those first-team reps at quarterback like we talked about the last couple of weeks between Richardson and Gardner Minshew, and Shane Steichen said that's been happening throughout the practices last week, open to the media uh, during the 7-on-7 and the 11-on-11 periods. Those were designed to simulate hurry-up settings, uh, two-minute drills, end-of-half, end-of-game scenarios. For you, J.J., where do you think Richardson is improving so far this spring? When your eyeballs are on him, what are you noticing in terms of improvement out of him from one week to the next? The, the big thing I want to know about Richardson, and I asked Shane Steichen about this last week, was how he's handling the mistakes. Because they're going to happen. He's a rookie quarterback. They're going to happen. And, you know, Shane said he's been pleased with how Anthony's handled some of those miscues in practice. He's going to throw interceptions. He's going to have a, you know, a wrong read. He's going to force a pass here or there. But is he not making the same mistake twice? Is he handling them in a way where he's not slumping his shoulders and slinking off back to, you know, the rest of the quarterbacks? Is he maintaining confidence while understanding he's got a ways to go and and all those things seem to be the case right now you know I think like from a competitive standpoint it's it's really hard to gauge competitiveness during these OTA practices because he's throwing to guys he's not you know they're not wearing pads he's not getting the real pass rush on him 
Um, like I always say, these OTA practices are not designed to pit two guys against each other. These are not designed for Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson to compete against each other right, right now. But I think for, for Richardson, own, his own growth and development, I think you're seeing some of the, the signs just from talking to people, hearing from people, that he's, he's picking things up, he's correcting his mistakes, he's handling them the proper way. And right now, those are the things you want to be encouraged by, maybe more so than the splash plays we see in the one day of OTAs we get to watch right. every week. And that's kind of that's kind of where I am. I wanted to, you kind of look at it. And he, he looks dialed in. The guys you, you hear everybody talk about how you know he is first guy in. He he's he's doing everything that you want him to be when you talk about you take a guy fourth overall and you go ahead and pin him as the franchise guy, there's a lot of expectations that come with that. And you have work ethics that you see from franchise players throughout the league and all you hear is you know the way that they're dialed in. And it sounds like from everybody's accord, he kind of is that guy at this point. Now, like you said, it's very early on. It's hard to kind of say, oh, well, he's he's picked up and done this, this, and this better than what he did three weeks ago. But I think that's the biggest thing for me is right. that he's dialed in and honestly – I love that you asked that question about how he's handling the mistakes because right now you don't want him to be perfect. I think you want to see him have his ups and downs because because they're going to happen. They're going to happen. This is the NFL. I mean, we watched Peyton Manning, who arguably the greatest quarterback ever. He set the rookie record for most interceptions. You know, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest ever play. And look at all the issues. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to do to play at a high level so you want to see him have right. those ups and downs because that is just the reality of playing in the NFL and I would say physically I've noticed him and maybe you guys can chime in on this if you agree or disagree but I have noticed him getting better and, and more decisive with the football the ball's coming out a little bit faster at least I think it is in yeah. my own head it's coming out a little bit faster last week than it did the, the week before the completions are Mostly short completions, but right. the outside, the number throws are, are getting better, more accurate. Doing a nice job, I think, too, of figuring out the pocket and understanding what the NFL pocket looks like and maybe more importantly what the, the pocket feels like and is doing a nice job of, of knowing when to take off and run outside the pocket when he needs to. So I, I think the next thing that I would like to see is just – more crispness, uh, more improvement, sharpness in the red zone in the two-minute drill that was on display late last week, throwing the ball into tight windows, being decisive and accurate when the field kind of shrinks. That's probably the next step for him in the OTAs and minicamp. But I would say Richardson is pretty much where I thought he would be mm -hmm. this time of year. Agreed. He's a sponge, but he's got a great attitude. He's got great body language. He's taking everything in stride. While also at the same time, again, very important, being a leader by example in the sense that he's putting in the work and that he is proving to the, the rest of the huddle and the rest of his teammates that he's willing to be coached, he is yeah. willing to make mistakes, and he is willing to grow and put in the work to be great, to be the leader on this team. He has to earn that, but I think he's doing that. You know who I think, like, I, I think Anthony has probably hit expectations. That's a good thing. Gardner Minshew, for me, has exceeded expectations. Just in how guys talk about him, yeah, coming in the building as a you know a free agent this year on a a not a you know big time contract, uh, guys have gravitated toward Gardner Minshew, and he's just like everyone's like he's such a good dude, like, oh he's such a good dude, and I think his presence in there because he's done it as a starter in Jacksonville, as a backup in Philadelphia, 
I don't think you could ask for a better quarterback to have with Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, along with mm-hmm. Sam Ellinger in there too. But, uh, you know, whether Gardner Minshew plays and starts this year, whether Anthony Richardson is the week one starter, having Gardner Minshew in that room I think is a huge asset Agreed. for the Colts. He has exceeded my expectations. Yeah, and it's it's funny because it doesn't seem like too long ago he was the – you know, the late round rookie that, that came in here and, and really looked very, very good when he played in Jacksonville. It's crazy to think that just a couple years go by and now you're a real savvy vet, but that's kind of the way these guys are viewing him. And that's, I, I agree with you because when I saw him signed, it was one of those things that I was like, wow, Gardner Minshew is already in that light, but you kind of get it now. I understand when I hear these guys talk about. His experience and everything he has learned, he's definitely embraced that role, and I agree. I think he's exceeded my expectations. Gardner, too, Gardner Minshew would be first-team All-Pro in the category of feeling comfortable in your own skin, right? <laughs> and not what, right. Who should we name the award for that after? Maybe Gardner Minshew himself. Maybe but that's, that's so critical for 100%. the situation that he's in, where. I mean, I, I'm I not going to compromise my my role or my personality. Right. More importantly, for like, anything. I know I've talked about it a little bit, but when the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky, Mike Glennon was insistent. This is my team. This is my year. This is my year. He had a press conference where he said, this is my year like 13 times. <laughs> and it, like, I, I don't think it was detrimental to the, the quarterback room on that team, but I just I noticed such a difference with how guys are talking about yeah. Gardner Minshew and how Gardner Minshew understands his role. Like what he was talking about where he's like, yeah, it's like when you're on an airplane and they ask you to put on the oxygen <laughs> right. mask. You put, put yours, yours on, on first, first, then you take care of the guy next to you. It's not like you you take care of the guy next no. to you and then you put yours on, or you just put yours on and you forget the guy next to you. Like, <laughs> I think his approach is so refreshing, and you can tell that guys have really appreciated his presence in uh, in this locker. I honestly think like I don't I don't think this is hyperbole because we've gotten a, a chance to to talk with Gardner and get to know him a little bit, just sort of in passing. Like if you tell Gardner, "Hey, man, you're going to start." two games, or, hey, man, you're going to start 12 games and throw for 3,000 yards, he would say, all right, all good. Agreed. Whatever you need out of me, (laughs) I'll do it to the best of my ability. That's just Gardner Minshew in a nutshell. Colts back on the practice field this week, as we said, week three of OTAs. We'll see what the injury report looks like later in the week. But last week, Casey Richardson and uh, Minshew, for that matter, they were down most of their top starting pass catchers, if you will. Michael Pittman Jr. did not practice with a hip. Josh Downs was uh, out with a knee. Jelani Woods missed time with a hamstring. Jonathan Taylor still dealing with his ankle injury. Casey, big deal or big whoop that Richardson was not able to throw to those guys last week? I would say big whoop, but I give a little bit of an asterisk by it just because you want him and Gardner, for, I think both of that, I think it's important for both guys because you know it, it's brand new to, to a handful of these players. You want him to get as much experience and build that chemistry with these guys as you can, but you also have to look at it as mm-hmm. most of this is preventative. I think if we're playing a game, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Josh Downs, I think they're playing right now. Those injuries I don't think are something that's going to limit them when it comes time for camp and all of that stuff that they're dealing with right now. So I look at it as it's all preventative, so you're not at all worried, but you do want you would you would in a perfect world, you wish every guy was healthy so that you can get out there and get as much work on task with each of these players. But a lot of the work you're getting during OTAs is in the classroom. One hundred percent, yes. It's getting to know your coaches and installing things on you know, on video, on the whiteboard, whatever it is. So if any like if anyone has a little you know, ding or whatever 
you just say don't practice. Right, exactly. It's not worth it. It is not worth having a player get more injured during OTAs. Um, and like I said on the podcast last week, I don't, I can't ever remember an instance of someone's lack of participation during OTAs being predictive of their lack of participation in week one of the regular season. Absolutely. So we'll see how that plays out this week in terms of health and availability. Hopefully some of those guys do get back on the field just for repetition's sake for Richardson and uh, Minshew to get more acclimated with their teammates in the uh, first team huddle. Let's go over to the defense. I want to set the stage in the secondary because we have been seeing Julian Blackman. We did hear from Julian Blackman late last week after, I think, Friday's practice with the media. He is now running with the first-team defense at strong safety. So it's now Blackman's show. He's taking over that role after he split reps at free safety last year with rookie Rodney Thomas. Nick Cross has been running with the second-team uh, defense most of OTAs at the strong safety position so Blackman in terms of going to the strong spot that's a new role for him and he's going into a contract year he said last week that he's enjoying playing closer to the line of scrimmage Casey which he did a bit last year filling in at the nickelback position when Kenny Moore was out late last year he's certainly familiar you know with with putting his nose uh, in the box in the running game but Blackman to me Casey, he looks like a guy, like a fish in water at that position, like a guy that is embracing it and loving it. Again, embracing all of the communication that comes with it, the physicality that comes with playing in the running game, in the box, and and being a willing tackler. I don't know. Is is it time to pencil Blackman in at strong safety going into training camp? Based on what we're seeing, absolutely. I think you can go and pencil him in, and you might also, you know, maybe not grabbing for the pen and sharpie yet, but you're pretty close. I think he's a guy that. You can talk to to staff members, anybody. The talent is there. You're not questioning that talent. The key to playing in the NFL for a long time is your availability. That is the best ability you have is being available. We have seen multiple injuries that have forced him to be able, maybe not be able to put together a full season where you go, wow, Julian Blackman is a playmaker. But I think you've seen it in so many spurts that you're like, he's just right there on the cusp. So I think it's one of those things that it didn't matter if it was free safety, strong safety for Julian. You'd be very pleased at wherever he's going to be. I do like this role for him, though, because one of the things we've talked about throughout his duration here is how good he is in other areas. I would assume we haven't seen too much of it, but Kenny Moore is one of the best blitzers from a corner. I would assume Julian Blackman is right there in that same realm where if you need him to do that, that's something that he can do. I think him playing nickel last year and getting a little bit more comfortable in that spot, it's really going to lend its hand really well this year. I think you can pencil him in. I think that's what's going to happen. And if Julian, I think if we're talking about Julian Blackman playing a full season this year, I think that Colts secondary is going to be very, very good. So I think he's bulked up a little bit. Yeah. Um, he was listed last year at 187 pounds. He's now listed at 202. So okay. he's put, put on a little bit of weight, which is, you know, you need to be a little bit more of a thumper. Yeah as a strong safety down in the box, to me the biggest reason why you want Julian there is because he can communicate. The strong safety in Gus Bradley's defense does a lot of communicating. And he's probably the most one of the most communicative guys yes. in the locker room, right. just in general. Agreed. Yes. He's, that is a strong skill that he possesses. And it usually, you know, that, that communication I think sometimes will come from the free safety because mm-hmm. you're a little bit deeper, you see everything. But the way that Gus wants his strong safety to play, that is a spot where you have to be a great communicator. That's why Rodney McLeod slid in there last year because the Colts needed that communication aspect yep. 
from that position that Nick Cross as a rookie just wasn't quite ready to get there. And I think to me that that is a big big reason why Julian is going to to fit in at that strong safety spot, but he is going to have to play with you know more physicality. Yeah. And he is going to have to play a different way um, you know, where he's going to have to take on some more run assignments. But just look at I, I, the game that always sticks out to me. Every time I can remember the Colts play, playing Derrick Henry over the last couple of years where Julian Blackman's been on the field, he's just been like a menace. Yeah. Like he is hanging on to Derrick Henry's hamstrings and bringing him down. Making stops in the backfield. Yeah, like you, you couldn't tell that you know, he would be a, you know, a free safety who right. usually don't think of as a very strong tackler. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's been good at that. So I think he's got that in him. You know, the the blitzing stuff, the, the Colts don't send a lot of blitzes. Gus Bradley doesn't send a lot of blitzes in general, uh, let alone with a strong safety. But we have seen from time to time Julian be able to do that. Um, so that's, you know, a card that you can play with him yep. if you want to. And I like it. I mean, it, it also adds competition. You're also you're not handing that job to Nick Cross. You're saying, hey, you got to compete for it now. Sure. By the way, with the guy who's entering his fourth year in the league who has the communication aspect of it, in a pretty good spot. I mean, Julian Blackman is so good at communicating back in the uh, in the secondary that he's telling the Colts wide receivers how good they are as well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's always some uh, junk being talked yes, there, there in, in OTAs yeah. between Julian Blackman and uh, it doesn't matter who it is, if it's Ashton Doolin or Michael Pittman Jr. or uh, I think it was Malik Turner the other day. Those guys went nose to nose or face mask to face mask a little bit, which I love to see. Making it competitive this time of year, right? You got to grind together offense and defense. You kind of just touched on it, JJ. How big of a season is this for Blackman? As you said, he's going into a contract year. But also, too, if you look at the rest of the depth chart, the Colts still have three players at safety with at least two years still left on their contracts after this season, right? They've got Rodney Thomas, who next year is going to be going into year three. Daniel Scott, they just drafted. Nick Cross is going into year three next year. This is really big for Blackman to prove that he is worthy of being considered for another contract with all of that youth on the roster still after this upcoming 2023 season. Well, regardless of whether it's an extension with the Colts or a a deal in free agency, if this year goes well for Julian Blackman, he can go into it and say, I can play strong safety, I can play free safety, I can play nickel. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're a T if it say if the Colts don't, you know, if they say, All right, we need to get And all a of that stuff gets tested, right? right? In terms of depth. No right. doubt. You know, we right. need to get younger, we don't maybe we have these guys here and he hits free agency. Mm-hmm. Julian Blackman's gonna be a pretty coveted free agent if things go well for him this year because any team that plays any coverage scheme could look at him and say we can find a spot for that right. guy. That's really important, and I think he understands that. I think he understands that this year, if he if he plays up to the standard that he wants to set, he's going to make a lot of money by doing it, and I think he, he gets that. All right, we're seesawing back and forth between offense and defense here. I want to go back to offense. Another guy that is shining uh, during OTAs, Kylan Granson, Casey, putting together a nice spring getting a lot of work at tight end because the Colts are down three bodies, or at least they were. Jelani Woods, as we said, with a knee. Drew Ogletree still not going with a knee, uh, continuing to rehab after ACL last year. Will Mallory, the rookie out of Miami, fifth-round pick. He is dealing with a foot injury that he suffered during rookie minicamp, so he did not go last week. We'll check out his availability this week. But Casey Granson making plays, man. Where does he factor into the Colts' tight end pecking order? Man, that's a great question. I would say that it's a big, it's it's definitely a big time right now, and then training camp is going to be really big to watch in that tight end group. Just because you look at it from a depth wise, 
There's a lot of bodies, and you don't have as many roster spots for that 53 when you look at it. So it's a big training camp for a guy like Kylan Granson. But if you look at it last year, Kylan Granson actually led the tight ends in receptions. So you look at the yards per catch and all of that, it wasn't big numbers, but he did lead that group. I think you pencil in, you know what Jelani Woods is going to give you. You've seen what Mo Ali Cox can give you. Everybody thought that the darling of camp last year until his unfortunate ACL was Drew Ogletree. And then Kylan Granson. So there's a handful of guys, you know, fighting for a couple spots. But he's definitely taking advantage of having the the more time with other guys out. And you're trying to prove to Shane Steichen, right? One hundred percent. And that's kind of where I am. Is you know Shane Steichen. This is the first time he's getting a look at a guy like Kylan Granson. So it's a big couple months for Kylan Granson, who's trying to you know enter in year three and and just take that next step. We saw flashes during camp last year, and then you had all the uncertainties with mm-hmm. the offense, what we saw in, in 2022, kind of hard to kind of point at, well, he didn't do this. It was a whole microcosm of a bunch of things. But I would say that this is a big opportunity for Kylan Granson because he show, he's got that different style of the tight end mold and body, more of that wide receiver-esque, if you will. So it's a big time for him to kind of show that other element that he can bring. I think, Casey, you brought up a really good point there about last season, just the the offense being broken in general, making it hard to evaluate these guys. Usually year two is where you start to see the jump in tight end. 100%, yep. And you saw it with Kylan Granson. His numbers went up, but they weren't, you know, 31 catches, 302 yards. It's not like they blew anyone away. And then he plays with four quarterbacks. Right. Right. Was that because he played with a bunch of quarterbacks in an offense that was broken? Or was that because of that's who he is as a player? I think this year in general – I think we're going to find a lot out about the Colts, the skill position players in this offense, maybe who aren't Michael Pittman Jr. or Jonathan Taylor, who we already kind of have a good idea. Those are two pretty good players right there. If the offense is just not like near the bottom of the league, like I, you know, looking up some of the numbers on the offense, the Colts last year had the second fewest number of plays where a wide receiver was targeted 20 or more yards down the field in the NFL. It was like, all Pierce and Woods, right? It was pretty much all Pierce. Yeah, they yeah. had 13 receptions on those plays, and seven were to Alec Pierce. How do you judge an offense when everything's so condensed? Yeah. And oh, by the way, if you ran an overload front against the Colts, you're gonna have a free runner like every single time. I mean, everything about that offense last year just felt so broken that it it's hard to kind of suss out like who you can really look at this year. Which is why I think when we get a guy like Kylan Granson, you're like you're kind of sitting up in your seat and him in OTAs, and you're like, man, he's he's out there making some plays. Yeah, right. That might be, oh, that might be a little kernel to follow during training camp, right? When you get the pads on, is he still ascending as a player? Because maybe he would have been ascending last year if the offense was in a better place. And that that's a really interesting thing to think about as we kind of move forward. Indeed, here. and and we just talked about this on on Friday actually on the last word, Jeffrey and I. I think you can keep four tight ends tops on this roster, and it's a really big year for Granson. And as I said, the Colts are going to have to cut some really good players at tight end or stash some guys on the practice squad because the Colts are they're bringing back all three of their tight ends last year who played over 300 snaps, right? You talk about Mo Cox, Jelani Woods, Kylan Granson. But then you've got interesting pieces of the puzzle that will, in a good way, complicate things. If Ogletree comes back, 
and is the same player he was last August, he complicates things. Mallory could complicate things. And then don't forget about Farrell Brown. Yeah. They signed him in free agency. We really haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about him, but he's a guy that is good in the run game and the passing game. He's a veteran. He's played in almost 60 games, three teams over the past six seasons. So, again, Casey, inevitably one or two of those guys that doesn't make – the regular season roster or the practice squad, the Colts are going to have to part ways with some tight ends who I think probably make some rosters on other teams around the NFL. No, I think I think you're spot on there, and that I mean that's one of the things you always talk about. You want to have you want to cut good players. That's what you're trying to get to. You want to get to the point where you have so much competition. The guys you're letting go are guys you're seeing getting picked up elsewhere, and I think that is really really good for this tight end group because. All the competition does is just brings out the best out of the guys, and it really just gives you a good idea of what you're looking at. Guys like Kylan Granson is only going to get better when he is being pushed by everybody else. So I think that's what you want to see, especially right now. So, I mean, I, I think when training camp comes around, that is definitely a position group that I'm going to be heavily watching just because there's a lot of guys fighting for very few spots. Look, if you're, if you're a tight end on the Colts and you haven't had a fire lit under your butt right. this offseason with – Will Mallory coming in. 100%. Drew Ogletree coming back. Yeah, kind of like another you know, rookie Mo year. Yeah. Cox coming back, you know, all these guys. Uh, then what's your motivation? Right. Because yeah. everyone, everyone in that room could make the roster or not make the roster. Right. And those guys are going to be put to the test in joint practices. How about that for a segue? Uh, we found out late last week for the first time ever the Colts are going to be holding joint practices with not one, but two teams during training camp. So the Bears are coming to town to play the Colts in the preseason. And before that, they're going to be coming to Westfield to practice against the Colts leading up to that August 19th game at Lucas Oil Stadium. And then the Colts will practice against the Eagles, I think, for only one day, J.J., if the schedule of my uh, math it, it would be, plays out that way. We, we don't know for sure. But it would be hard. I think it'd be hard to do two days because you would have. There's a five day th- between between. And games I don't. There. I don't know what the the regulations are in the the CBA, but I'm pretty sure the day after a game has to be a player's day off, which would be Sunday. Which would be Sunday. So then you would probably fly to Philly on Monday. Yeah. Maybe hold like a walkthrough and then practice have a joint Tuesday. Practice. Yeah. So I would assume it would just be one. Right. But even just one, I think you get. You get a lot out of those. Right. And they play the Eagles on August 24th. So, again, not sure if it's going to be one or two days uh, standby for that. But uh, bottom line, the Colts have not traveled to another team's training camp location for joint practices since 2000 when they went down to Tennessee uh, to practice against the Titans before the AFC South was formed. So really big news there, J.J. Uh, Obviously, a lot can be accomplished. A lot can be obtained when you hook up with another team twice going into the regular season, you see a first-team offense, you see a first-team defense. It's all about reps, especially for Anthony Richardson. How much will these joint practices help AR in that regard? It's like almost another game-like setting for yeah. him going into the regular season against two first-team defenses. I mean, okay, so the the benefit and the drawback to a joint practice, the drawback for Richardson is it's not going to be live, right? He's going to be in a red jersey, not going to be contact. No one can hit him. But the benefit is when you you get into these joint practices, he is going to see some more exotic coverages, right. some more disguised coverages, some different fronts, some different pressure looks that the Eagles are going to have or the Bears are going to have absolutely no interest in putting on film in a game. Mm-hmm. When you get into preseason games, 
you are running vanilla offensive concepts against vanilla defensive concepts. That's how it always goes because there is no reason for a team to put on readily available film something that they might want to use in the regular season beyond the base stuff in their playbook, the stuff that everybody knows they're going to run. So you get these probably three joint practices for Richardson, and he's going to see different ways that Matt Eberflus and Allen Williams are disguising coverages. Matt Eberflus is, by the way, really good at disguising coverages. We learned that over his four years here in Indianapolis. That's going to be a challenge for Richardson. Then you go to Philly, and you're going to get a different front. You're going to have an odd front in Philly with Sean Desai there, and you're going to get kind of the Vic Fangio tree of disguising coverages and playing a different way. So you're going to have an even front in the Bears. You're going to have an odd front in the Eagles. You're going to have different you know, uh, zone coverages from the Bears, different zone coverages from the Eagles, different ways of playing man, whatever it is. Those are going to be hugely beneficial for Anthony Richardson uh, as he gets acclimated to different ways that NFL teams are going to play defense. I think part of what you just said, though, too, you think about it, let's say it's three. Yeah, let's say the, the, the joint practice of the Eagles is just once. So you get three joint practices. I would assume just because of the fact that he has minimal college game played, he's a rookie entering the NFL, we're probably going to see him play a little bit more in those preseason games. I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm sure, way out of turn just because we don't know but let's just say he plays a little bit in both of those preseason games where they have the joint practices. That's six opportunities. Now, I know they aren't live in the joint practices, but it is six opportunities, really, where it's outside of a typical practice. Right. Where you're go- Normal, so, yeah. So for me, that's where I kind of look at this for Anthony Richardson. It is six opportunities to go out and do something before the regular season rolls around that you would only get in a typical just three preseason games. So I think that is what is so important and just the idea, when you look at both of these defenses, Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Bears, a defensive mind, the Eagles, arguably one of the reasons they made it to the Super Bowl last year was because of what they did defensively. And I know they lost some guys in free agency, but right. they drafted some pretty impactful guys in this draft, whether it's Jalen <laughs> Carter or... or um, the entire Georgia. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, right. Yeah, so, I mean, you look at you look at the guys that you're going to be going up against, that can only help a guy like Anthony Richardson in this development. So I think it is a huge benefit for him for what they're going to be dealing yeah, with. I, I completely agree. He can play against a first-team defense, which, he, again, like you said, Casey, he, he probably won't do too much of that in the preseason. But he can play against first-string NFL guys and make mistakes, and there's not going to be any major ramifications. Right, exactly. It, it, won't, it won't cost the Colts a game. It's all learning. This it, is this if he is, yeah. if he makes mistakes, which he will, but you file that away and it helps him grow and hopefully it helps him later on in the season when he sees a similar front or a similar scheme or he can put something away in his brain and save it for later in, in, in a you know on a second and short or a third and long or a red zone situation. So I think those practices are incredibly invaluable and really important when you talk about getting as much time on the field as possible and, and as many reps as possible going into the season. He's going to throw a pick six potentially against the Bears or the Eagles. It, it's going to be something where he learns from, but it's not going to cost the Colts six points in the fourth quarter of a game they're trying to win. Yeah, the next time you see, say he throws a pick six because the safety rotated and he misread mm-hmm. what kind of coverage it was going to be, well, yeah, okay, you do it in practice. It's a little embarrassing, but sure. 
not going to cost you a game. And right. now next time you see that safety George, rotating. George Brimmer and Joel Erickson right about in the star. That's it. That's, <laughs> hey. that's, that's the only thing that gets reported. And But you know what? Okay. That's yeah, fine. That's but fine. the next time you see that in a game, you see a safety rotating and you might not. You know, maybe you know what it means next mm-hmm. time. So that that's that's going to be a, a really good thing for Richardson. Yeah, you build those mental lessons. You build those bonds with your teammates in terms of how you, again, mentally uh, adapt from those mistakes, how you grow from them. Uh, speaking of bonding, last week the Colts went bowling as a team to bond a little bit, to build up some camaraderie and to break up the routine, if you will, of OTA. Shane Steichen said last week, we're trying to build that chemistry throughout the team because we have we've got some new coaches we've got some new players I always say this to the guys quote when you're connected you are committed we heard that I think back in his uh, introductory press conference so when you know those guys and you're really close to them you're going to go a little bit harder for them and dig a little bit deeper so just to do that stuff off the field uh, not so much in the building uh, but doing barbecues and bowling or whatever it may be to get those guys connected players and coaches it's huge. That was the quote from Shane Steichen, and uh, I, I agree with him. I mean, we, we, we went uh, bowling as a team uh, back when I was a college football player, and that was big just to take a day off of practice, to take a day off of lifting, and just to make fun of guys that were throwing them in the gutter, Casey, <laughs> and, uh, you know, guys that were, you know, coming in less than 100 right. on the bowling score. So I love it. When was the last time you went bowling, Case? Oh, man, that is a really good – I would say it's probably been a year or so. Um, I don't I don't bowl often. My kids aren't to the point where like uh, they're so I have five year old twins and a three year old. So bowling for them, it's not quite to that point where they can get the ball all the way down without the bumpers. And I've got very competitive <laughs> kids who they don't like the idea of the bumpers because I don't use the bumpers. Yeah. So you know we take the bumpers down and it's nothing but gutter ball, gutter ball, gutter ball. So they're not having fun. So I think when they get a little bit older, we will enjoy bowling a little bit more than what we have the most previous time that we bowl. And now that the weather is nice, right. I mean, you're not We're bowl, bowling is not top <laughs> right. of mind. Yes. JJ, bowling for me is like the perfect wintertime activity. Rainy day, you're inside, you need something to do, you need to kill some time, do something competitive. That's when you roll down the street, uh, get out the bowling shoes and uh, throw a couple frames. Boy, I can't remember. If you think you've been bowling the last year, I can't remember the last time I went bowling. It's because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> really? I don't want to volunteer to go bowling. I'm so bad at it. Wow. Well, I know that Matt bowls not not regularly, but you you and your you and the family probably, get yeah, out and bowl. We probably average often. six bowling uh, experiences a year. Okay. Yeah, probably. Are you any good? Uh, I hover around like 140. Okay. So like you know. Highest score, I think, was like 213 a couple years wow. ago. Wow, okay. Yeah. That's when I was like feeling it for some reason. I don't know if I had a couple of beverages in me or what, but I was I was in the zone. I was picking up spares left and right. Had a bunch of markings on the uh, on the scorecard. But, yeah, two. I think 213 was the highest score okay. I had. So when I was in college, I, could, I took a bowling class. I went to Manchester College in you North. Took a bowling yes. class. I took bowling. I took golf. I took, I took I a took, rec class oh, yeah. where we had a bowling uh, chapter, if okay. you will, and we All learned right. how to keep score in bowling. That's so that's so that the bowling alley in North Manchester, Indiana, <laughs> does not have. You have to keep your own score. And I thought I was going to be a professional bowler because I would my my average my handicap was like two fifteen. Like I go out there and I bowl a two forty. It was like this is the greatest. You bowled a two forty. So here's why: 
it is an old lane. They have not they have not done any updates to in a long time. So they have a groove <laughs> that if you get the ball in you the groove, a sweet spot there. You are, I mean, you are a strike or a spare almost every frame. So I was like, I thought, man, I'm going to be a really good bowler, and I'll never forget. We go outside of the class, like we as a class, we took a trip to like the Fort Wayne bowling alley, and we're all like, oh, we're going to. I think I bowled time. like a 74 <laughs> because it was like gutter, gutter. And I was like, all right, I, I just got to bowl it straight. Yeah. yeah, there is no groove here. So I would say yeah. if when I went out and bowled, it's probably like right in like that 115, 130 range. But if I'm up at the lanes in North Manchester, you watch out. You can you can give me a glove and my own ball because I look like so a professional I, bowler. I, I, just, I like to throw the ball as hard as I physically <laughs> right, can. Exactly. And just it's collateral damage. So what <laughs> – what what happens with me? I'm not I'm not a throw the ball as hard as I can guy, but whenever I go, you know, you have a beverage or two, and then I start start trying the to spin. spin it. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I'm you know Pete Weber out there, and I'm trying you to like spin that? it. You yeah, like that? that is why I did it. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> That's fantastic. And then inevitably I bowl like a sixty because it's just gutter ball because I can't actually. Yeah, those spin are the it. those are the best games. Well, my problem right? so my Come problem on. my problem is I have to bowl right handed. But I throw left-handed, and I can throw a pretty good curveball. I can only, the only thing I do is throw with my left hand. Everything else, I'm right-handed. But again, I can I can snap my wrist pretty well on a curveball, mm-hmm. and I can't do it with my right hand. So when I try to spin <laughs> it with my right hand, it just goes straight into the gutter. You're hey, a good you're a good golfer, no? I don't know about good. I play it. But you're, be- <laughs> you're better at golf than you are bowling. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, but that's a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you should try the two-hand bowl. Isn't that like? Isn't that a thing now? Yeah, Tom Haverford bowled yeah. a perfect game doing it. Yeah, Parks so and Rec. you know, might you might be. <laughs> <laughs> or no, sorry, Ron Swanson. That's Ron Swanson. Yeah. Uh, they're like, well, you Sunder. just bowled a perfect game. Sunder. I was people never watching. here. There are people watching. There are <laughs> people watching. <laughs> Have some respect. Okay, I had a similar experience, Casey. I went bowling one time in Paola, Indiana. Okay. Hole in the wall place, right? Local place, like family owned. Been there for like seventy five years. Going on a, like a Saturday late morning, early afternoon, like middle of January or February. I know it was winter time. Nobody there had college basketball on, drinking like $2 beers. It was fantastic. Like hot dogs. Like <laughs> right. it was perfect. I, I was in heaven for four hours. <laughs> Beautiful. And it was like snowing. Like what are you going to be doing? You're inside. Right. There's nothing Ex- to do. Exactly. Let's just go bowling. Yep. You know, that that's the perfect wintertime activity. So. I like it. Sounds like Cato June was pretty good bowler. Yeah, that's uh, what it sounded like. Cato June and what Matt Gay? Did they say Matt Gay was a good bowler? Yeah, yeah. yeah they both have their own balls. Yeah, is what uh, what <laughs> Ju- I was. Was it Julian that yeah. announced that? Yeah, I, I do not I, bring I, my own ball. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you know. All right, so Casey, uh, you are filling in for JJ next week on Correct. the beat with the uh, mini camp notebooks. Until then, JJ, until you give the the pen and notebook over to Casey, what are you writing about this week? Until you're out. Uh, doing doing something on Rigo Sanchez mm-hmm. uh, on Tuesday. Just he, I thought he was really interesting talking about his recovery from uh, ruptured Achilles last year. Yeah. Um, he's got a really interesting perspective on all of it. So writing about that, and then media availability on Wednesday. We'll hear from a couple of guys. Hear from Shane Steichen. Right. That'll kind of take us through the week, and uh, then it'll take me to the beach. Yeah, good luck. There you go. Yeah, enjoy enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, enjoy yourself. Turn the headphones on, and uh, maybe the kids give you 15 minutes of exclusive Look, JJ I, time. I, what, what everyone has told me is when you take a vacation with your kids, it's a trip. Mm-hmm. And then when you take a vacation without the kids, it's a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I went to Florida a couple weeks ago, and it was a trip. That's for sure. They're just gonna play. They're gonna play at the beach, play in the pool, do some putt putt. 
it'll be uh, it'll be nice. I there love you those go. kids. But God. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be the most relaxing? Goo. It probably won't be the most relaxing yeah. trip I've been on, but it'll be fun. And our uh, person behind the pads podcast uh, series continues this week. That's where we. Talk to a Colts player, get to know them off the field. This week's guest is Zaire Franklin regarding how he's dealt with uh, some some tragedy in his life, losing his mother and his grandmother while he was in high school, and how he has uh, put their memory to great use through his foundation, Shalice's Angels. And, J.J., you had that conversation, I think, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Really, really good. What else do we uh, need to know about that? Yeah, and I thought it was just a really good conversation with Z, who, you know, he always just keeps it real. Like mm-hmm. he, He's one of my favorite dudes to, to chat with on this team, and um, you know, just some about the stuff that he's done with financial literacy. We talked a little bit about, you know, life after football. Um, and then at the end, he there was a moment during the podcast where he looked at me like I was a complete idiot. Oh, oh, and uh, it was about Philly cheesesteaks. Oh, <laughs> very, very passionate where he comes from. Yeah. Right. So it's a big deal because I boy, I, I, I had no idea what I was talking about. And he looks at me like. You serious? Bro. Uh, yeah. So it, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoy it, too. Uh, next week, too. See, I'm, now you know what it's like to be made fun of for uh, some some food takes. Well, Jeffrey does it all the time with me, so yeah, I know what it's like. Well, I know, but normally the the vitriol is pointed in my direction. Yeah. But that's well, all right. that's, that's a good right. point. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it was good. It was good. I learned a lot about some serious stuff with Zaire and Philly cheesesteaks. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good dude, man. One of the best in that Colts locker room. So check that out later this week on uh, the person behind the pads, Zaire Franklin and J.J. Stangovitz. Of course, the last word is back on Friday. Jeffrey Gorman joins me. We'll recap week three of OTAs, and we'll also talk about the Colts' offensive line unit and preview uh, those guys up front on the offensive line and the uh, trenches going into next season, how that unit can rebound and potentially uh, certainly, you know, set a new standard for themselves going into 2023. JJ Stangovitz, Casey Valier, fantastic job as always on the podcast. We were loaded up this week. And again, we'll uh, do it again next week as we start to preview and also put a bow on the offseason workout program. The mini camp is next Tuesday through Thursday, and then it's summer break for your Indianapolis Colts. And we'll do that all coming up next Tuesday right here on the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. Again, for J.J. Casey, I'm Matt Taylor. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week here on the Colts Audio Network. So long.